0: Hey friends, welcome back to the journal feed. My name is Nick Zelt, and this is the only place to get fed the latest and greatest of emergency medicine. We're here to make sure that you guys are able to keep up to date on the literature, and to do that, we feed you. Now, let's take a look at the articles from this week. First off, only a few antibiotics inhibit toxins. Let's talk about the options. After that, not only do we give antibiotics too often, but we might be giving too much for cellulitis. It's debatable. Then from the third article molnupiravir for vaccinated patients not all we might have wanted following that the fourth article now forget hard to say fancy drug names what about just zinc for covid not too shabby and then finally from the last article what factors tip you off that angioedema patients are likely to require intubation Now, if you are hearing this right now, then you are not currently a Journal Feed subscriber, and so you will not be receiving the full Journal Feed podcast, only a portion of the past week's articles. Don't worry, of course, they're all good articles, but if you would like to get full access to both the podcast and the blog, then you'll have to become a member. All the details for that are at journalfeed.org. And remember that we never want money to be a barrier to better patient care, so if you're having any trouble affording a subscription, please just get in touch and we can help you out. Now, this is the audio version of the past week summaries, which this week were brought to you by Megan Hilbert, Amanda Matthews, Jason Lesnick, Sam Parnell, Aaron Lacey, and Clay Smith. Okay, let's jump over to the fourth article, titled Twice Daily Oral Zinc in the Treatment of Patients with Coronavirus Disease, 2019, a Randomized Double-Blinded Control Trial out of the Journal of Clinical Infectious Diseases. Now, we have effective COVID vaccines, quite effective, and some treatments, but there are still many in the world that are dying from COVID-19 infections across the globe. Treatments that may improve this patient care are still very much appreciated. Mostly, we've talked about fancy drugs with fancy names that we're hoping will be solutions to COVID, but what about something simpler? In this case, what about zinc? It's easy, it's a nutrient we all need, might as well just see what it can do. To give it the proper test that it deserves, here's a double-bonded RCT on 470 patients with COVID-19 infections from Tunisia. These symptoms had to be ongoing for the last seven days at least, and patients could not have had severe comorbidities, such as heart disease, liver disease, renal disease, cancer, poor mental status, or the need for ICU admission at enrollment. The treatment group received 25 milligrams of elemental zinc twice daily for 15 days and the control group received just placebo. What they found was a significant decrease in ICU admission, 5% versus 11%. That's an odds ratio of 0.43. There was also a significantly shorter hospital stay by 3.5 days. There was also a non-significant shortening of symptom duration by about two days and a non-significant decrease in mortality. Who was most likely to benefit from this treatment was patients over 65 years old and those with comorbidities and those who required oxygen. There were no serious adverse events reported. So this trial recruited moderate to severe patients who were mostly unvaccinated and a mix of outpatient and inpatient. So the generalizability of this might be a little bit difficult, but all the same. Now I would have to criticize this paper for not being very forthcoming with its figures. I want to see more data when you're presenting something that's as influential as this. The paper doesn't even have any supplemental figures at all, and I want to see the numbers, I want to see the tables. They say several times in the paper that zinc decreases symptom duration, but the confidence interval spans well past one in either direction, so false advertisement. Now the top hits on amazon for this dose of zinc for 15 days would cost me less than a dollar after sales tax on top of that i'd say that zinc is incredibly safe really i think all of this sounds too good to be true even if the name of the study was still pretty cool vizier honestly i'm skeptical about this and i try not to let single studies change my management too much but on the other hand why not give out some zinc i'm on board In a spoonful, zinc supplementation in patients with COVID-19 decreased 30-day ICU admission and the duration of hospitalization. And following that, we have the fifth article titled, Clinical Predictors of Endotracheal Intubation in Patients Presenting to the Emergency Department with Angioedema, out of the American Journal of Emergency Medicine. Andrew edema patients obviously they're scary now of course we don't want to intubate more patients than we truly have to but at the same time if you wait until the very end when they're crashing then these are very difficult intubations so the better we can predict who's going to need intubation obviously the better so how about we look at what are the risk factors that might tell you hey this patient is way more at risk for needing intubation How are we going to do that? Well, we're going to do a retrospective chart review, not us, the authors, where they looked at 600 angioedema patients, of course, and then they were able to make a scoring system, actually. So, 446 of the patients were placed into the training group, from which variables that were highly correlated with eventual intubation were extracted. Using these risk factors and weighing them via beta coefficients, they made a scoring system that was, you know, pretty neat. I think it's pretty good that they did this. Now the risk factors that they found were hypertension, anterior tongue swelling, laryngeal edema, drooling, and shortness of breath. The most high risk features were pharyngeal edema and drooling. Then they used this scoring system on the remaining 150 patients to check the validity. The patients who would have scored as low risk only required intubation about 5% of the time, while those who were in the high risk group required intubation 79% of the time. So a fairly good spread. Of course, this would require prospective validation in order for you to even consider hanging your hat on it, but it's still good to keep in mind the factors that here they identified and that the scoring system could supplement your clinical judgment. In Spoonful, from retrospective review, the factors associated with intubation in patients with angioedema were hypertension, anterior tongue and pharyngeal edema, drilling, and dyspnea. All right, and that brings us to the wrap-up. From the fourth article, Zinc for COVID, it's likely too good to be true, but I see no harm to it really. Once you add the placebo effect to their real life treatment group, well, you know, I think they might have something there. And then from the last article, we help you make the scary decision of when to intubate patients with angioedema. Take note of hypertension, anterior tongue or pharyngeal edema, drooling and dyspnea. These can be plugged into a scoring system to help you assess the risk of intubation in angioedema. Alright guys, uh, links to all the articles summarized can be found at journalfeed.org, where the newsletter is the best way to make the podcast into a bite-sized nugget of space repetition. If you're feeling like you missed out a little bit, you'd like to hear more podcasts, you'd like to get access to the blog, come over and join us in the members feed. Our goal here is for you guys to read less, learn more, and then hopefully save some lives, one spoonful at a time.